Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Our learning is on. It is Ivan Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend, my weekend. It was it was cool. Uh I can never oh, works Friday. Nice. Um T- Tiffany Haddish had an event she ready. for her charity. She ready prom. She, she ready, ready foundation. foundation. Yeah. She ready prom. Yep. Were you there? No, I saw I was people posting about it. Though. It was like a adult prom. Oh. Everybody's going to adult proms. Prom prom season is very controversial this year. I'm not sure why. Wait, what do you mean controversial? Everybody's talking about different issues surrounding prom. People are talking about what kids are wearing to prom, prom this, prom that, promity, prom, prom, prom. What, do you remember, did you go to prom? I did go to prom. Good or bad experience? Fantastic. And how many did you go to? I went to a couple of proms. I went to prom a couple of different times. It was, uh, it was fantastic. Never had a bad one. My prom, other people's Mm. proms, prom, prom, prom. And it was great. One prom night was specifically great. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. Um, I I went to three. Three proms. And one was mine. Two were someone else's. They were good. But this, one of them I went to was like a favor. Like their parents asked my parents if I would go. And looking back, I feel like, I made his his prom miserable. <laughs> like, I can tell. I said yes because I had to. But looking back, I could have done so much better to make his prom experience better. Like he's probably somewhere telling people he had a terrible prom. What did you do? Nothing. See, this is the difference. I had the same situation. Friend of somebody said, hey, Man is cute. I want to go to the prom with him. And I went to the prom and took the prom over. So you made it about you. Well, I wanted to make sure. So here's the thing. The young lady herself was, uh, I didn't know her, friend of a friend. But I wanted to make the prom special. And anyway, I thought that I should go above and beyond to make the prom special. And I tried. I mean, I kind of made it about me, but hell. You but listen, you were better than me. I mean, I, not I, better. I danced. But I was like, I was like, let's just get it. I got there and it was nothing really, but she was like one of the only black kids at her school. And so, you know, I was in there. Oh, it was one of those. It was co- one of those, okay. yeah. So it was I got like that. Tear, tear the motherfucking not hard prom to, down. Bring Yeah. Not hard to shine at those. Mine was not. You know, that prom that you described is how my First Baptist Academy was. This prom I went to was Duncanville's. Okay. And niggas. I had been the year before. Oh, okay. Yeah. With somebody different. Yeah. And then this year I went and I just, but looking back, like I could have been better. I wasn't rude. I was just kind of like, I wasn't myself. Yeah, we, we um, know. We know. But I, I don't know. I feel bad. Anyways, prom was great. Yeah. This was this this event was great. I thought it was really cool. And obviously, it, um, you know, Tiffany Haddish talks about growing up in foster care, and so this the foundation and this v- event specifically benefits youth growing up in the system. And so it's, it's for a great cause. And um, what she's doing is fantastic. And then I went Saturday. I drank all day. 
And like, I really suffered Sunday. Brian's best friend was in town. So we went to brunch. And then we went to Soho. And I saw Pras. You saw Pras? <laughs> Pras was there. Oh, I was like, shit. Oh. I was like, that's Pras. You saw Pras? <laughs> Damn. What, did you talk to him? I would have went up and talked to him. Well, the girl with us knew him. You was hanging out with Pras? No, 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 no. She waited. He was at a table and she waited. And then she went up. She was like, we haven't heard from him in years. It's Haitian. It's like, I, I, like they're all, they're all connected. They all know each other. It's actually really cool. And so um, she went over and, and spoke to him separately after he sat down. Um, Pras. If Pras would have came over and talked to y'all, I'd have had to pat him down. I got to check for a wire. He did come over and talk to us, but we did earlier that day see Chris Paul and he came over and talked. Where was this at? <laughs> well, first we were at JG Rooftop. Wait, are you in New York or are you in LA? This is LA. Oh, I'm not, I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on because I thought you said Soho. Oh, when you said Soho, you meant the Soho house. Oh, I, when you said Soho, yes, Soho I thought house. for some reason Sorry. that you were actually in Soho. You at the Soho house. Okay, yeah. So you saw Chris Makes Paul. Sense. And then he came First, over. We were he was J- with, with JG. Kim, yes. He was with Kim Kardashian or no? Wow. No, he was with his kid. It was, okay. a bir- it was a birthday party for some kids. So please stop. Okay. He was ta- uh, chopped it up with him for a second. And then, and like, I like those moments because it makes me look cool in front of Brian because Brian's like such a sports fan. So I could say, I could say, hi, this is my husband, Brian. Like, Brian, like, you know, Brian gets excited. He doesn't care about like all the other stuff that, tell you something, that goes on. He's excited. Brian wasn't excited to miss Chris to meet Chris Paul. Brian was excited to be there. Okay. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Here you go. Um, but no, Brian being such a sports fan, specifically yeah, basketball, cool. that was that was fun for him. And then we went to Soho House, and that's when we saw Pras. Nah. And <laughs> nah, bro. I, child Pras, man. There's a lot of stuff going on. We haven't covered it, but there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um. But that, yeah, as a sports fan, meeting Chris Paul, that would be amazing. That's one of the five best point guards of all time, I would say. Chris Paul, mm-hmm. best of his generation mm-hmm. for sure. You know, Brian's mm-hmm. you know, huge basketball fan is awesome. Prize is like, I'd have had some questions. I just want to know what's going on because either they trying to frame Prize and, you know, put all kinds of stuff on Prize's head that he didn't do or Prize is like Ethan Hunt. There's a lot of stuff going on, man. Do you, do you know who Ethan Hunt is? Hold on. No. Hold on. Wait. Donnie, it's time to play a game. <laughs> Rachel, name that movie character's film. Very organic. This game will be played whenever a movie or movie character comes up organically in the Higher Learning Podcast. Okay. So Ethan Hunt is is a character in a movie. Ethan Hunt is a character in a movie. Let's use context clues. I said that Proz was like Ethan Hunt and Proz is 
sort of caught up in some international espionage. That is your clue. Okay. Born Identity? You're close. Okay. You're, I, I really thought I had it. You're close. You're close. Okay. You're very close. It's not the Born Identity, but think something close. Mission Impossible? Oh! Yes! Yes! Rachel, that counts. Rachel is one for one. No, I got the mattress thing. Oh, I'm two all, for two. That that is that right there still blows my fucking mind. So Rachel <laughs> is two for two. It's only when it comes up organically. We're not gonna do this all the okay. time. But Rachel, we we kicked it to Rachel and she was up to the task. She's two for two. Two for two. Donnie, did you think Rachel was going to get that one, Ethan Hunt? I did, but I didn't think she was going to get it as quickly as she did. <laughs> I was, you surprised yeah. me on the second try. Born Identity was a good guess, though. It was. Come on. That, yeah, was, good, that was good. That's right there. I mean, that's right good. there. Born Identity is great. Um, but then on Saturday, I went to this, the a housewife's party. It's the all-white party that they do. And I saw, tell me to tell you hello, Anne-Marie and Marcellus Wiley. Oh. Because Anne-Marie's on the show. Wait, what? So Marcella should be on the show too, yes. She's on, going to be on the newest season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Sale and Anne-Marie on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Wow. They were there. They were filming. Wow. You didn't know this? I did not know this. (laughs) Shout out Sale, Mm -hmm. man. Look, when you said all white party, I was <laughs> I wasn't sure, you know. Um, but this was for the show. Okay, I think I saw pictures of this. My friend. Yes, was, it was on. It was on SoFi. My, it was on the field. You were there with my friend that I met at your at your house that time. What's her name? The white lady, Katie. Katie. Katie was Katie. there. You were there with Katie. Katie's great. And Kelvin told me to say hello to you. Who's that? I believe the last name is Washington, but I, oh, Kevin I could Washington. be messing this K- up. K-Dub, Kelvin Washington, no well. He said I would forget, and I did not no. forget. Kelvin Washington is a great sports guy. He um, He's a great guy, period. He's a really, really talented on-air and radio personality. He was on ESPN, and now he is on one of the networks. Kelvin Washington, yeah, he used to work with Marcellus uh, at ESPN Radio, and then he moved on. Kelvin's great. It's great. It's great. You have a fun time. I had fun Saturday and I paid for it Sunday. Did they have I hot dogs for at, at the event on Saturday? Wine? Is that the food that you mentioned? I honestly, we ate before, so I don't I didn't even see what food. You I'm pretty sure there were not there. hot dogs. What, I'm pretty sure there were what not. What foods did you eat this weekend? Let's check in on the foods that you ate. What'd you eat? <laughs> Wings. Okay. That's what I like. Uh I had sushi for dinner on uh, Saturday. Yeah. And then I cooked pork chops, grilled pork chops on Sunday, which is like broccoli and rice. You are like, the pigs see you coming and they're like, it's Ted Bundy. <laughs> like, you, you, you are, you hell on a pig, man. Like, it's like pigs worldwide. <laughs> like, if you go to Babe's house right now, it's a picture of you up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, don't let this person in. 
<laughs> you hell on a motherfucker. But the crazy pig. thing is, I love pigs. You I love sleep? pigs, but not like just to eat them. I've always wanted a pet pig. No, I don't trust. Maybe you. that was I was. <laughs> I don't trust you with a pet pig. <laughs> what you do this weekend? What did you do? Get off uh, me! <laughs> what I do this weekend? I, I, I watched the fight, Kenny Lomachenko on. Oh, you were excited about Saturday. that? Really great fight. Really great fight. Okay. Devin Haney, uh, great young man, great family, great champion, got the victory. I thought Lomachenko won the fight. It's a close fight. I thought Lomo edged him out, but can't call it a robbery because it was a very close and competitive fight. So congratulations to Team Haney and everybody over there. I do think that Lomachenko won the fight. Uh, also, I was able to watch NBA basketball. And from coast to coast, two blue bloods in the NBA are hemorrhaging. That is my Lakers. <laughs> and then the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics just straight up gave up. I got to be honest with you. The Boston Celtics just gave up. It was one of the most embarrassing things I think I've ever seen down 0-2 coming back home to Miami. Shout out to Brian, who I, must be ecstatic over what's going on. The Boston Celtics looked Jimmy happy. Butler in the face into the abyss of Jimmy Butler and then nothing stared back. They gave nothing. The Lakers are losing to Jokic uh, and to Jamal Murray to a team that seems to be a little bit more talented and better coached. But the Celtics are just cucking out. Seriously. The Celtics are just cucking out. It's tough. Um, But boxing, basketball, I, I worked out both days. I worked out Saturday. Went box a little bit. Then boom, boom, bang. And then um Sunday, I uh, I went to the gym again. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm losing weight like gangbusters. It's a lot of fun. It's happy. Right? Yeah, you like it. Yeah, you, you think it's great. I like you. it because you like it. I like it for you. Yeah. Um. So you know, just a chill weekend. Me and Kalika hung out. We watched Titans. You ever watch that show, Titans? Mm-mm, what's that on? It's about the Teen Titans on HBO Max. We finished Titans. I watched Succession. Succession, one of the greatest shows ever made. If Succession Look, can stick to land, really? Yeah. Yeah. Help me okay. because I watch it. And I enjoy it. Now, I will say a lot of it goes over my head. Like when they start talking, I'm like, what? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. When they like get into like the thick of things with the TV and stuff and they're talking about the business. I'm like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. Right. I really don't. I got to admit that <laughs> it goes over my head. But I've always feel like I'm chasing succession. I'm chasing for it to be as amazing as everybody keeps saying. The acting is out of this world. But I guess it just never hits that. I would never describe it as one of the greatest shows. Yeah. I see what I it, haven't watched I didn't watch I didn't watch last night though. Do you know what I compare succession to? I'll tell you a little what? story real quick. One day we're at TMZ. It's like Christmas. So it was Christmas or a holiday's coming. Everybody's leaving. But some of the more entrenched staff stays around to make sure stuff is going up. You know, other people might be leaving or going. I might stick around for a little bit longer. Uh, some other people might stick around a little bit longer and just shoot the shit a little bit. And Evan Rosenblum, who is uh, one of the producers there, at TMZ, one of the big three in TMZ. So now I moved on, but he was there. 
we'll always have like a different scotch or something. Beckerman would have like a different scotch. You know, one day I, my seniority had gotten to a point where it was like, come in the room and we'll have a drink. It's Christmas. I have a little drink. And before we leave, like a little drink, a little shot of the scotch or whatever. It's like, hey, it's mm-hmm. Christmas. We're about to go. Nobody's getting drunk at teams. Let's have a little shot of the scotch. Okay. The scotch. Okay. Everybody's looking at the scotch. Like, oh, this is good. I love a piece of scotch. God damn it. I tell you what, you know, you're looking at these white guys, you know, you're thinking to yourself, this is, this is what, you know, we were outside working. This is what they did. They said they need to drink a piece of scotch. And like, you're drinking the scotch. You're like, should I be doing this? Um, but they love it because for people who can appreciate the scotch, it's the best scotch. Mm-hmm. It's the best, but I couldn't appreciate it. I just don't like the way it tastes. For whatever reason, I'm not refined enough. I'm not whatever enough. And I'm not saying that people that don't like secession aren't refined, but I'm just saying that like, it is kind of like a fine scotch or a great wine that it's so specific to the connoisseur that the connoisseurs think it's amazing. And some people just like don't fuck with it as much. And there's, there are a lot of, there's a lot of art that's like that, right? There's a lot of art that's like, Hey, if you're really into this specific type of thing, then you're like, this is the best of it I've ever seen. Caviar. People will go, Jesus Christ, it's the greatest fucking caviar I've ever had before in my life. And I eat the caviar. I'm like, yo, y'all just gonna sit around and y'all gonna put this shit on the crack and just down this shit, huh? It's the type of shit y'all like. <laughs> it's just not for me. You know what I mean? And so I could see how the show is kind of not for everyone. But if you are somebody who can like, when I'm, when I watch Succession, I rewind the show five or six times while I'm watching it just to rewatch Why? a scene. Oh, like just to okay. rewatch a scene. Like there's a scene where, where Logan's eulogy has to be given. And there are two okay. Spe- I haven't seen it. I'm just saying, I'm the two different actors that speak at Logan's funeral and it's so fucking well done. That I'll just rewatch it and like rewind it and watch it again. Rewind it and watch it again. There's a scene between the two people at the end of the show where the woman is kind of breaking down emotionally. The man is talking and I'm like, look at what they're doing. And I can get why there are people that, uh, it's not as accessible to them. And that doesn't mean anything about anybody's taste level or nothing. It's just not for everybody. No, I think we just yeah. consume things in a different way. Yeah. I get that. We consume it. Like I, Again, I can under, I can appreciate what the acting is, but like, I think for the first two seasons, I really liked. Yeah, and it's been the last two that haven't hit me the same way. But I still watch, and yeah. I watch the after the after because I honestly that helps me understand it better. When you know, I but to be honest with you, The Wire was like that. Like everyone loves but the I Wire got now. The wire. But when The Wire was out, a lot of people were like. I don't understand. There's a lot of characters. It's very in the weeds and it's come to be appreciated more. Um, like over time by the masses, but by the people that were watching the show while it was on, you have to really, mm-hmm. you have to really super like commit to it. It made you commit. Why are still amazing show? Yeah. My favorite show of all time. All right. <clears throat> Later on in the show, we have a very special guest. Highest rapper in the world right now is on higher learning. Van Van playing outside every day. Yeah, Van Van, internet sensation. 
beautiful, young, black child who's taking over, dropping the music. You know, Van the Van, she's going to be on the show with her father, <laughs> Reggie McConaughey. It's going to be on there just a little bit later. But before we do that, we have to talk about legacies, their complications, and what it means to mm. celebrate and talk honestly and earnestly about who somebody was while they were on planet Earth. Jim Brown, on the other side of his break. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. And that's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Okay, Jim Brown passed away. Mm-hmm. He was 87 years old. Um, and best known for two things. Number one, Jim Brown was known for being an absolute force on the football field. One of the greatest athletes in the history of modern American sports. Um, was an all-world football player. A lot of people don't know an all-world lacrosse player as well. He's one of the greatest lacrosse players of all time as well. He was just an absolute beast. Um, those that played against him and can contextualize how he ran the football say that there's never been a running back quite like Jim Brown. But also in his time, he was a fierce advocate uh, for black people. And uh, one of the athletes that during that time was very active in the civil rights Okay. Mm -hmm. um, was at the famous uh, Cleveland Summit for Muhammad Ali when some of the brightest and biggest stars in the sports world came together to lend support to Muhammad Ali after he had been uh, his title had been taken stripped from him and he had run a follow of the law for his refusal to be inducted into the military during the Vietnam War um, but that's not all that Jim Brown is being remembered for. He's also being remembered for his treatment of women, which if you knew anything about Jim Brown, was uh, a narrative that followed him in his life. Some of the allegations that he had as far as abuse against women, how he handled women, what he thought of women, and how the women that interacted and intersected with Jim Brown in his life um, how safe they were and how they viewed him. Um, had you heard this, these things about Jim Brown? I did not know it went this far back and that there were this many alleged incidents. I knew it in a very general sense. So I'll be honest with you, in reading all of it, I was taken aback a little bit because I don't think it's it's as well known. I mean... I think you just, you more so have to know about the life of Jim Brown. Like, to me, he's always been this larger-than-life force. 
you know, you watch these old videos of him, knew about his his work in the civil rights movement and how he was for the advancement of black people um, and black empowerment and 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 pushing um uh black economics and 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 wanting to see black people better themselves, the betterment of black people. And so he just seemed to be this huge force in a positive way for black people. So in I, I knew of a couple of things, but to see this laundry list of things was shocking for me. Mm. And even knowing that we were going to talk about him today and his legacy, something that you said as you were introing this, this topic, it's like, do you talk about everything? Is it as you're remembering someone since they've passed away? Because it makes me think of the interview that Gail King had where she mentioned, was she talking to Lisa Leslie? Talking to Lisa Leslie, yeah. And she mentioned, she's to, as this was after Kobe had passed, she has to sit down with Lisa Leslie and she asked Lisa Leslie a question about Kobe Bryant and past a- allegations against him. Um, and people were upset and people were mad at Gail and they felt like that was that's not how we should be remembering him we should remember him for all the great things he's done and not talk about him in a negative way do you do that here even if it is a part of somebody's story hmm. uh so mm-hmm. i think with the gail thing gail was i love gail king love her. gail i think a lot of people were uncomfortable with gail Pressing Lisa Leslie. Um, the specificity, the specificity of that was: Had Kobe ever talked to you about blah blah blah? Had you ever talked to Kobe about blah blah blah? And Lisa Leslie in that situation is going, "Well, no." And Gail mm-hmm. is asking because Lisa Leslie and Kobe are friends, and Gail is asking sure. where he's your friend. Blah, blah, blah. and she's like, "No, he's not." And so, at, at, no, he, he didn't. We never talked about the things that we talked about with this and this and that and that and that. So I think a lot of people felt like Gail was pushing or trying to fish something out of Lisa Leslie that Lisa Leslie wasn't there to give. Um, but people were mad at Gail for even bringing it up in the interview, well, too. I think, I think people were mad at her for bringing it up for sure, but I think there's a way to talk about these things, um, in, in particular in that point, in this point as well, that's a little bit different than trying to get somebody's friend to talk about, like, whatever, whatever. And I don't have any problem. And, and- Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I don't have any problem necessarily with Gail asking, but the people that were upset about it felt like she was being, she was trying to put Lisa Leslie in a place that Lisa Leslie didn't want to be in. And she was using kind of uh, what Kobe had done to kind of, to kind of get something out of Lisa Leslie. And then it looked yeah. like she was looked a little sensational to people. I don't know that I necessarily yeah. agree, but that's the reason like it, I don't know that the conversation about Kobe and his past were were necessarily off limits because I saw that litigated everywhere when he died. But I think there's a way to do it. A lot of people felt like Gail didn't do it in a way that that was nutritious. Yeah, I agree. I didn't think it was off limits either. And I don't necessarily think it's off limits in discussing Jim Brown too. And also just because of later in life, him aligning himself with uh, former President Donald Trump. So I yeah. think those are certain things that that are more recent that people remember. I don't think it's off limits either, but I but I would be lying if I didn't think about that yeah. as we were going to have this conversation. And I think you can think about everything 
And I don't think it takes away from him wanting the betterment of Black people. But you also have to talk about the other things as well. So we should say that Jim Brown's situation, he stood trial in 1965 for sexual assault. He was found not guilty. In 1968, uh, he was accused of throwing a model from a balcony. And she claimed she tripped. My mother never forgot that. My mother hmm. never forgot that. I'll tell you who did forget about a lot about, uh, about a lot of this stuff. Me. I forgot. And that's something I'll come to. I think to a lot second. of people did. Uh, 1971, he was accused of beating two women and then throwing them down a flight of stairs. Charges were later dropped due to lack of witnesses. In 1971, that's a year, accused of, well, that's a repeat. 1985, he was uh, arrested after assaulting a woman. The charges of rape, sexual battery, and assault. Though the charges were dropped. In 1986, he was arrested for allegedly beating his then fiance. In 1989, his book, he admitted to slapping women, including the model in 1968 who fell out of the window. In 1999, he was arrested for making terrorist threats against his wife, Monique, as well as vandalism to her property. Of course, Rachel just brought up the fact that there was a shift in political views later on. He supported President Trump and he opposed Colin Kaepernick uh, and his kneeling. So Jim Brown um, was consistent, it seems like, in one area of his life, which is a problematic relationship with women, and inconsistent in another one, which is advocating for what some Black people feel is the advancement of their people, um, meaning that opposing Donald Trump and being pro-Colin Kaepernick, even though we're not a monolith and people would have different sort of interpretations of how they support both of those issues. This is what I'll say. I'll say I posted immediately when I heard that he died uh, recipes of Jim Brown because I legitimately was sad. I'm like, damn, Jim Brown died. And it's because the narrative of Jim Brown's life, and I left the post up, um, the narrative of Jim Brown's life isn't the things that we're talking about right now. I think that's interesting. I think the narrative of Jim Brown's life, people don't bring up Donald Trump. People bring up Muhammad Ali and the Cleveland Summit. Uh, people don't bring up Colin Kaepernick, they bring up everything that he meant and him being on the Dick Cavett show and going back and forth um, with the the, the segregationist uh, Lester Maddox, who I think was the, the governor of Georgia at that time, very famous clip of, of Jim Brown going at it with him. Um, and even in the, the movie One Night in Miami, in which our friend Aldous Hodge plays Jim Brown, there's a scene in the movie where you know Jim Brown confronts somebody and he's a victim of racism. So when you look at that, when you look at that that movie, uh, those guys are heroes that are in that film. When you talk about Sam Cooke, mm-hmm. Jim Brown, uh, Ali, and Malcolm X, those guys are all heroes in that movie. Um, so I think it's in- incredibly important to talk about somebody's life in a holistic way. Incredibly important. I remember sure. watching uh, an interview with Carol Welsh way back in the day where she talks about her experience working with Jim Brown and how she didn't enjoy very much. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Oh, is that what she said? Yeah. I, I can't remember ex- exactly what she said, but what this is what she said about Jim Brown as an actor. She said that I'm going to fuck the quote up. But I remember watching it and she talked about the fact that you know, to be an actor sometimes you have to be uh you have to access like a feminine side of you or a softer side of you. And Jim Brown wasn't capable of that. And that might have held him back because it was for a time he was trying to be a Hollywood movie star. And that might have held him back because he certainly could never do that. And she goes, as a matter of fact, he was very rough and it was not easy to work with him. And, it was, and she had all these things to say. And I remember watching this on cable and 
watching her talk about him and I'm going, well, he was a kid, right? She's going, oh, she didn't like him very much. My mother goes, well, Jim Brown threw a woman out of a, out of a, out of a window or something like that. She was, she told me about this way back in the day. But because the narrative of his life isn't littered with this stuff, I actually forgot about all of this stuff. And I think it's important. Doesn't that say a lot? It does. That's the story. The mm-hmm. story is mm-hmm. how easily, uh, mm-hmm. and look, I don't think it's wrong. If people want to remember Jim Brown for what he did on the football field, I don't. I don't think it's wrong. Like it, my hero eyes, my hero lights went off. Oh my God, hero. My dad told me this guy is a hero. He's a hero, hero, hero. My hero lights went off. And so yeah. I, I jumped right on it. I don't think it's wrong for people to go, Jim Brown was a fantastic fucking running back. Uh, and there were times where he met, um, a specific standard for his people that did these things, right? I don't think it's anything wrong with that. But you have to talk about it all. You have you to, or else you're complicit in glossing over uh, some of the more really important and notable parts of somebody's life that doesn't fit into the narrative that society is crafted for them. So I don't think it's wrong at all yeah. to talk about it in the, in the case with anyone. I think there's a time and a place you know, I know, like, you, you know what I mean? And I don't think that you have to wait a long time, but you know, somebody dies, you go look what an asshole they were. Just the Southern part of me is like, eh. but I think in discussing someone, you have got to talk about this stuff because we don't want carbon copies and repeats of all of this. Right. And I like, you don't want to be a revisionist, right? And yeah. only paint him in one way that he was when he had a repeated history of physical abuse towards women. And even admitted it. Let's let's not, you know, he wrote a book and he admitted to putting his hands on women, including the model that fell out of the window. Right. I'm not saying, you know, that was inconclusive as to how she fell out off the balcony or out the window or whatever, but he did admit that he put his hands on her. So I totally think it's fair game and I do think it's important. And I think it's really important to highlight the fact that you said, like I said, he was always this larger than life. For you, person, figure. For you, he was like a hero type. And it's fine to see him that way, but I think it's important to focus on how easy it is to forget when there's violence against women. And I think that that's just the society that we live in, especially when you're talking about the 60s, 70s, 80s. We didn't talk about it the way that we do now. We just brush it under the rug. Not as almost as if it's okay, but it's just easy. We just forget about women. We don't listen to women in that way. And so out of respect of, you know, the, the women who went through this, other women who have suffered abuse at the hands of a man. It's important that you talk about these things and you don't brush it under the rug because it is a part of his story. I'm not saying that people can't change. I'm not saying that he didn't do better, but there's no denying that he had this history of physical assault against women. Um, And, you know, to continue to have the conversation, you have to continue to have the conversation. And that means if somebody has these sort of issues in their past, in their life that you talk about. Because you don't want to get into a situation 30, 40 years from now, or even in present tense, in the contemporary sense, to where it's like you uh, there's somebody else who you're sacrificing the ways in which they do harm for the fact that they inspire you in some other way. So, anybody who's talking about 
we should discuss the totality of who's of who Jim Brown is um or what his life was. Yes, he founded the Black Economic Union Union. Yes, the Amera the Amera I can the Amera I can program. He founded those things, but there are also other parts of his life that societally we need to fix. And the list of things that you just saw, um, and the ways in which you know those things reflected in his life, the the frequency in which they did, uh, they beg a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff going on there, so God discuss it. So there you go. Yep. Um, Rachel, the race for president just got a little faster. It got faster. Yeah, because a black man's in it now. Ooh, a black. Don't do that. What? Don't do what? Black people run fast. We do. No, 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 no. And that's not what I'm talking about. We right. do. No, a black man is in it. The the man that you're referring to. That's not how he wants to be. He doesn't want to be introduced that way first. What? He I wants to be. What do you want? He does not want to be introduced as a black Republican. He wants to be a Republican who happens to be black. So he doesn't want to be His a, words. he doesn't want to be a stepfather. He wants to be a father who stepped up. <laughs> Tim Scott shut up Tim Scott um, <laughs> do you know I read an interesting thing over the weekend about malaria and sickle cell why black people might be prone to sickle cell West African black people might be prone to sickle cell it has to do with why? malaria okay and why malaria coincides worldwide with high instances of sickle cell. And also, an offshoot from that, why malaria, sickle cell, and all of that stuff might come together to explain why West Africans have such fast-twitch muscles. Some of it was scientifically verifiable. Some of it was fringe, but still interesting. I'll send the information over. Uh, now we're talking about running fast as blacks. I got into it. I went to a deep hole about malaria. You guys look it up. Malaria, sickle cell, fast twitch stuff. Look it up. Some of it, fringe, hmm. whatever. Some of it, some of it, the malaria, sickle cell connection, very interesting. Very, very mm. interesting the way the human body adapts to fight off a pathogen. Whatever. Uh, so the, Tim Scott probably can't run anyway. But look, he he's in the um uh, he's he's in the uh he's in the presidential race. He announced it. Um he's the only black Republican senator. He was in his uh hometown of North North Charleston, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Also a very nice place. Uh North Charleston, South Carolina. He filed papers. Last week with the Federal Election Commission. Give me a little audio. For those of you who wonder if America is a racist country, take a look at how people come together. All of God's people come together. Uh -uh. (laughs) Black ones and white ones and red ones and brown ones working together because love, unconditional love, binds hearts together. 
We are not defined by the color of our skin. We are defined by the content of our character. And if anyone tells you anything different, they're a lion. Uh, um, this echoes what he said I'm back in 2021. Yeah, when he was talking about uh, America not being a racist country. We don't have to play that because he essentially said the same thing. Right. He's in it. He's, he's got an uphill battle. He's polling right now in the single digits. But we knew this moment was coming. He had been uh, hinting to it. And now he's finally in. The chocolate has entered the Sunday. It's time for the swirl. Tim Scott, take on the world. He is running for president. Rachel, how do you feel? Give me that Geechee shit from South Carolina, Rachel. Tim Scott, he's here to make a difference. He's optimistic about running for president. Rachel, what you got? <laughs> I can't stand you. You ask me how I feel. I feel nothing. Um, Tim Scott, I said it after I listened to that clip. I'm going to get tired of hearing that. I'm going to get tired. You don't want, what did I say? He said he doesn't want to be known as a black Republican. He wants to be known as a Republican that happens to be black. That is him announcing his presidency and the whole thing was about race, as if the whole world was represented right there on that stage in that audience. And that right there defines that we don't have a race problem. I'm going to get tired of hearing that from Tim Scott. The reason I say I feel nothing is because I'm not expecting much from Tim Scott. This is what I'm expecting to get. He seems like a really nice person. And. I said he seems like a nice person, but he seems like a person who has certain morals and values. He's very religious. And that's what he seems to be hanging his hat on and what he seems to be relying on that's going to take him to winning the primary and then ultimately running on behalf of the Republican Party. And I just don't see that getting Timmy up in the polls. I don't see the numbers changing for him in that way. I, When you're going against a Trump and you're going against a DeSantis, who we're also expecting to announce soon, they're polarizing. And I don't think kill him with kindness is going to take him, Tim Scott, far. Now, it also has been announced that he has a lot of rich people backing him up. Uh, the billionaires, the... the um, uh, what's his name? Larry Ellison. Did I get that right? Oracle? You know, I'm bad with names. Oracle um, is talking about donating up to eight figures to back Tim Scott. I listened to a podcast today that said that Tim Scott has enough money right now to be on TV every day up until Iowa. He has a lot of money behind him, but money doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to take you far. Look at Bloomberg. So I, I, there, I think there are going to be a lot of people who align with him because they do want someone who's positive, someone who, you know, has these strong values, someone who doesn't, uh, who seems to be above it all and not get into the thick of it. But I think he's going to have to, to actually have a chance against a DeSantis and a Trump. But I just don't see, I mean, I just don't see it going far. I don't really know, other than him being conservative and wanting to to, to stick to that and aligning himself with conservative values, I feel like I don't know that much about 
I'm curious. I'm actually intrigued. Let me take this back. I'm intrigued to see what he's like on a debate stage. I want to see him get his hands a little dirty because I don't think he can maintain what he's doing right now. Hmm. Um, he won't last long. I want to drop one more piece of audio in. He was talking to Van Jones back in the day and mm-hmm. a couple of three years ago, something like that. And he was talking about uh, the meeting, some of the talks he has with President Trump around not just race, but other things. And I want to play this for you guys. And then on the other side of it, I want to talk a little bit about who I think Tim Scott is and what I think his candidacy means for for the Republicans and for the country. You've had this conversation and some conversations like this with President Trump. Yes. Um, how, how do you judge whether you're making progress there? Some people think want you to kind of be the, the racial Trump whisperer yeah. right. in some way, you know? Um, how do those conversations go? They're hard. They're painful. Um, they're uncomfortable to sit in the Oval Office and have a conversation with the president about things that you strongly disagree about. Uh, he didn't change his perspective. I certainly can't change my perspective. Mine's educated by my experience, so that helps me. But w- the way it closed, I thought, was gave me reasons to be hopeful. It closed with, Tim, I don't see what you see. What can I do to make things better? That was a shocking response. I was surprised after the conversation that his response was, help me see a better way. And my answer is always not for him to speak about issues in a way that he doesn't sincerely believe, but for him to actually do something. And our opportunity zones was the outcome of help me help other people, Tim. And I said, support my opportunity zone legislation. If you guys are familiar with opportunity zone legislation and opportunity zone stuff, that is something that Tim Scott uh, was a huge proponent of. Simply put, designated areas in a community or in a city and what opportunity zones allow you allow people to do is take capital gains taxes that they might have and then reinvest them into these opportunity zones. So if you make a billion dollar deal and there's $200 million or whatever it would be, it wouldn't be $200 million, whatever it would be of capital gains tax, what you could do with the opportunity zones is you could take that money and invest it um, into a specific community without having to pay that capital gains. And what that is supposed to do is revitalize those areas. Now, it was a very hot thing when it was happening some years ago. A lot of people got behind it. Um, I even know some people that were that were involved with it. But the more you litigated it, the more it leads to what I think um, is rampant gentrification. You have a lot of people that don't have any stake in those areas uh, that are trying to essentially... <clears throat> skin on their taxes by investing it into uh, some of the places. I'm not saying it's completely net negative. I'm saying that there are some cultural concerns with opportunity zones le- uh, legislation, and it does not, to me, adequately address the needs of communities um, where it's supposed to impact the people. Uh, I think a couple of things are interesting about that. Number one, who Tim Scott is. Um, Tim Scott has done some things that he thinks are relevant on race. He sponsored the Emmett Till anti-lynching bill, right? And you would say, hey, that's awesome. It's awesome to get anti-lynching on the the, the docket. We, we need to get real lynching. <laughs> we can all agree that that's bad. Yeah. Um, 
that to me is the type, and I'm just talking about specifically in terms of black people. Tim Scott has a whole political agenda and platform that doesn't have anything to do with black people. That's the kind of diet black shit that works over there that we should be wary about not working at all. I'm not saying that not that having an anti-lynching bill uh, in the name of Emmett Till is a bad thing. Of course it's not a bad thing. Anything that makes lynching a federal hate crime uh, is, of course, positive. The problem is, on the back side of that, you have situations that affect Black Americans uh, to a much larger degree, which is the lynching, the state-sponsored lynching that happens on behalf of the police department. And you have a gentleman like Tim Scott who put forth his idea of a police reform package. but omitted qualified immunity, which most people that are involved in those situations, not all, not all, but most, would say is the most important part of being able to hold police uh, departments and individual officers responsible for malconduct. So you ask, do you care about the lives of black people uh, or do you not? Because if you do, then you hold police nationwide responsible for that. I asked around about Tim, very hard on Tim, but I asked around to people. Uh, I say, is Tim Scott a MAGA Republican? He's not a MAGA Republican. That seems like it will work for Tim. Seems like there are some people in the party that would love a nice looking black feller who can, of course, who would not be uh, aligned with the, the wacko fringe of the party to talk positively and dynamically about the fabric of America. Uh, and on a debate stage, Rachel, he might do very well. He might do very well in contrast to some of the wackadoo stuff that you see. Now, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that the party is too far gone. But I do think that there are people who believe that. That Tim Scott's optimism and the genteel way in which he carries himself can kind of uh, obfuscate the the real intention of his politics, which is to maintain big business corporate interests and to, in my opinion, hamper the government's ability to uh, to make fundamental change in Americans' lives. And, you know, he's a conservative, so that's what he believes. But I think he's a Republican for another time. I think right now what, what you'd have to do if you were Tim Scott to win is you'd have to take a dull, rusty butter knife and cut Donald Trump's balls off. You'd have to take Donald Trump's strength from him. Like, nobody is winning the Republican nomination if they do not right. take it from Donald Trump. The, the people, the constituency of the right is not going to give you a mandate to go out and get the nomination to be the president. You have to take it. He's incapable. Right. Nikki Haley's incapable. The entire field of people, uh, Asa Hutchinson, Larry Elder, Sununu, all of these people, they're incapable of doing that because they're capable of, of, of sticking up uh, to the bully. So I don't know what Tim Scott's candidacy really means. You know, I don't know. It, it, I don't know what it means. It's, I think he would say he's, even though he's more, would you, would you refer to him as like a tea party? 
He's kind Republican. of a, not not necessarily what he's going for. Not look, you say he's not a mag. He, he, I, I say he's not a MAGA Republican. He was with Trump, a just unreal he is, percentage of the time. But, he I, he's, is, but he's not he's not a MAGA Republican in the embodiment of of what that means as far as anti DEI. He does throw around that woke term. He's 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 skirting the line of it, but. I mean, to to that point, I, I wouldn't call him a Tea Party Republican either. He's kind of more of a throwback to the compassionate conservatism angle that they tried to play some years ago. He's a little bit more on like that train a, than he is on any of the other. But very stuff. religious, and I feel and I feel like that's a little bit more of like a when you hammer that conservative and the religion. I think like to me that fits a little bit more in the Tea Party. That's why I asked. But he has said to your point about aligning himself with Trump, you haven't really seen him stand up or come after Trump, which is why I say I'm intrigued by seeing him on the debate stage, because I wonder which side he'll stick to. But he has said before that he agrees with a lot of Trump's messaging. He just believes the messenger gets it wrong. It's the messenger. So he's right there with him. I think, though, because of Trump is so polarizing and extreme and so is DeSantis, that he does see himself as more of a moderate Republican and the voice of those people, which is why you do see um, the Oracle guy uh, putting his support and money behind him. Elon Musk has shown some a little bit of support towards him um, or like some of the things that he's done. So I think you'll see that. But as far as rallying the base, I just don't think when you say he's for a different time, because I don't think that we're in the nice era right now. Nice kindness is not going to get you far, specifically in that party. So right. we'll see. It'll be interesting. All right, Van but Van. Maybe time. he's going to surprise us. Maybe, maybe. I don't fuck Van with Van. Yeah, let's lighten it uh, up. Uh, let's lighten it up. Van Van playing outside every day. Next on Harlan. My name is Van Van. I'm Tom Play. Playing outside every day. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. This is a big moment for higher learning the podcast. Huge moment. It is. Uh, a little while ago, I posted on my, my Instagram that I had found somebody who I felt like was the hardest rapper out. Uh, <laughs> the most lyrical, the most influential, the style, the dance, the moves, all of it. It's all in one cute little package. We got Van Van 
playing outside every day. And her father, <laughs> Reggie McConaughey, on the show today, Van Van, Reggie, how y'all doing? How you doing? We're, we're amazing. I, I want to ask Van Van a question real quick. Okay. How you just going to take my name? <laughs> I'm Van. I'm I'm Van, and now people are saying that Van Van is your name and not my name no more. How are you just gonna take my name? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Laugh about it. <laughs> so cute. Oh, Van Van, we're so excited to have you and your dad here. I don't even know where to start. You have taken the world by storm with your videos, your social media, your rapping. We just saw you on stage. Um, when did you know that you wanted to rap? When I was two years old. I, two years old. Two years. When I was, you're four now, right? <laughs> when do you turn five? Um, November. November. Okay. When I was four, I was playing outside every day, but that's it. I wasn't rapping. I wasn't on stage. I was, I, I, I am so impressed by you. Two years old and you knew you wanted to rap. It's amazing. And dad, how did you know to tap into that? Cause I feel like my parents would have said, go play back outside. Man, honestly, you know, COVID happened, you know, it's very tragic for a lot of people. Um, but for me, um, I was able to tap into her gift by being home because I'm a teacher. So I was able to be home. Oh. And, uh, you know, we just kind of developed this bond. You know, she was watching movies, like learning lines and dancing. And her memory, like she could spell her name when she was two years old. Mm -hmm. So that's how I knew. My wife, my, I was at work one day. I'm not going to be long. I was at work one day and my wife was like, yo, I can't believe it. I'm like, what? She sent me the video. She was spelling her name. I was like, yo, that's crazy. You know, and at that moment, that's when I knew her memory was top tier. Mm. So she's a genius too. A genius she's too. A genius. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, so Van Van, you know, the line that's taken over the world is that you're playing outside every day. Okay. So when we say every day that you're playing outside, are we saying seven days a week you play outside? Are you playing outside? from Monday to Friday, how much playing are you doing? And when you play outside, like, what do you do? What do you play, Van Van? I play track. I play with my dogs. And I play with stuff. <laughs> you ride your scooter? I ride my scooter, my bike. And you ride your do you think that everybody should be playing outside every day? Yes. Man, <laughs> <laughs> man, what do your friends say about your rap career and you got acting coming up too? What do you, what do your friends say? I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> Recently, you were you were on stage. I saw that you had the crowd going wild. Were you nervous or scared to get out on the stage in front of everyone, or was it fun? 
I was definitely nervous. Dad, mm. how did y'all help but her she... for her first performance? Like, how did y'all help her that she was nervous? Man, I just, I just, I just give her affirmation all the time. Like, you can do this. You know, you don't be scared. I know it, it, it happens. Cause I'm gonna be honest, I was nervous. So I know <laughs> if a 39 year old man is nervous, I know my four year old daughter was nervous, you know, and I didn't want to take that feeling from her, but I just told her, like, you can conquer this. Like, you conquered so much at four years old so far. You can do this. Like, this is, this is easy to you. Well, it worked because she was rocking it on stage. Who, um, Van Van, who are some of your favorite performers? Who do you look up to? I look up to, um, Okay. Okay. Lele, young feeling. Okay. Who would you like? to work with? Would you like to work with like <laughs> Beyonce? Would you like to work with Rihanna? Would you like, who Who do you like? If you could be in anybody's video, if you could be, if you, go ahead. I would like to work with everybody. Oh, she already, <laughs> she already media trained. <laughs> she already media trained. She not even, hold on, that's crazy, bro. That, that's Crazy. <laughs> I like everybody that that um that raps. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I only got She's one more great. question. I only got one more question. Go ahead. Okay. And it's gonna be kind of serious. So Reggie, this is more for you. Okay. This is a very powerful image, bro. A beautiful young black girl so joyous so wholesome having a good time being buoyed supported and protected by her father hearing you in the background egging her on pouring into her girl dad to the extreme tell us a little bit about what you guys, more than how it's caught on and more than how it's being uh, responded to, tell us a little bit about what you guys hope to portray out there um, in terms of that imagery. Man, just family, man. Like, bringing that family bringing that family status back. You know, knowing you can talk to your kids, man. I'm a teacher, so I, I, I'm big on talking to your kids and having that relationship, knowing what's going on with them. And that's one thing I cherish, like just talking to my daughter every day when I come home, asking her how her day is, you know, asking her what she got going on, asking her what she like to do. And we just, I'm telling you, we never, we never imagined this in a million years. Like we was just having fun. Mm -hmm. Like we weren't jumping on the internet to be internet famous. We weren't trying to be TikTok or Instagram famous. We were just dad and daughter having fun. That's all we've been doing the whole time. It's really exciting to see as Vance laid out the example that you two are, but then that you're just having a blast with it. Tell us what you've got coming up next, because you got a few things in the works. Man, uh, you know, she got a movie coming out uh, that's premiering in July. Um, the crossover revenge uh, with Jamal uh, Willard and Clifton Powell. Wow. Uh, Bobby, Bobby Brown's an executive producer. 
Okay. Um, so, you know, she got a part in that movie. Um, so, it, you, know, you know, it's just a lot of stuff that she got on the table right now. And I can't really say just yet. Mm. But just know, just know, like, things that I wouldn't even have imagined is on the table right now. Amazing. Well, just the beginning. Just, just the, beginning. the beginning. Well, I just want to, I, I want to ask, actually, I got one more question. Van Van, I want to, I want to ask you about something. I, could I get on a song with you? It could be Van, Van, Van. <laughs> the three of us together on a song. <laughs> playing outside every day. We could play around different play. Just, just, just think about it. I don't know if I have to send you a demo tape or something. Think about putting me on a record. <laughs> how, how does that sound? Would you like to do a song with me? Oh, she's so nice. She's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Uh, you have music out right now. Uh, Reggie, go ahead and tell people about that, and then uh, we can let you guys go. Man, we got playing outside every day. You can find it on every streaming site. We just want people to listen to it, have a good time with it. This is a song for everybody. It's a song for everybody. We just want people to have a good time. Uh, just with something real quick. Uh, her TikTok is down. We don't know if it's going to be back up. But it's still on Instagram. We still on Twitter. Uh, so, Why is your TikTok down? They, they, they said it's back up for age verification. So I had to put this up to that. I think maybe better than hopefully it gets TikTok mm. band, Van Van. I'm calling out right now to TikTok. This is a black father and a beautiful black child that have organically built a fan base and an interest in some of the most wholesome, smile-rendering content I've ever seen. There is absolutely zero reason for this TikTok account to be down. This is the reason for TikTok, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, hashtag free Van Van. Bring <laughs> the TikTok back. And if we don't get answers this week, we're going to start putting some pressure. We're going to have TikTok playing outside. All right? I don't, I don't <laughs> like to hear that. Free Van Van. Okay. Uh, Van Van. <laughs> Reggie, we are so excited that you guys came on Higher Learning. We're so excited yeah. for everything that you're going to be able to do. Um, I, I think so much is coming in y'all's future, and it's good to see that you guys mm -hmm. have the bond that you do. Thank you for joining us today on the show. And we appreciate y'all. No problem. All right. Bye-bye, y'all. Thank you. Okay. Uh, real quick. Real quick. We're not going to go into it too much. We're going to wait for a little bit more of the developments, the debt ceiling talk. Are going over, uh, look, it's it, going on right now. We got 10 days left to reach a deal or default. In case you guys don't know what the debt ceiling is, the United States has a ceiling on the amount of debt we're uh, allowed to owe other countries. You know, normally when we get up to that level, we raise the debt. If we don't raise the debt, we default. The ramifications of defaulting are pretty outstanding in terms of our uh, bonds worldwide not being trusted anymore. The healthcare system, what it could do here. The Republicans are playing hardball. 
They're using it as a political bargaining chip. Um, Biden needs to deal this week uh, in order for it to pass before June 1st. So they need to make it happen. They need to make it happen. We're going to talk a little bit more about the ramifications of this on Thursday. What will happen if, uh, excuse me, on Friday. What will happen if uh, no debt ceiling uh, compromises met? But just know, the Republicans are always ready, ready to play Russian roulette with your way of life mm-hmm. in order to get what they want. All right. Um, Shamar Moore, do you like him? I'm indifferent. I don't have an issue with Shamar Moore. Let me tell you, he was the man in the Yeah, house. he's cool. He was the man. I'll tell you, he was the man. He was... I'd say even into the 2000s, early 2000s, he so? was. Yeah. They were so he was on, on Criminal him. Minds, too. Like, yeah. he was... been the man for a while. So he was, uh, he was in the audience for a comedian named Matt Rife's performance at the Ontario Improv. And it went off the rails. Donnie, play the audio. I'm a small more. I told him when I got here. I've been watching him on YouTube. And, I, and I, I'm meeting him for the first time tonight. I'm seeing him live in person. Like a lot of us, I'm sure. For the first time, but I've been watching him. And me and my girl, my baby mama. And, I, and my girl comes to me and she's like, Shamar, you're the sexiest motherfucker in the world. You're, you're the father of my daughter. But I want to fuck Matt right. <laughs> stuff. People are mad that there seems to be an underlining situation here of this white man is so beautiful and look at all of these ugly, trollish looking Negroes. People are pissed. <laughs> That's I, I definitely took that from it. People are pissed, man. People are pissed. Rachel, what do you think? Did you look at his shirt? No. What does the shirt say? The shirt is a skeleton and it seems to be a woman's head at the crotch area of the skeleton and the hands are on the head of the woman and as on top of it, it either says good job or great job. The skeleton's getting some hit. <laughs> There's just a I think lot it says get on. a job. Get a job? Get a job. So the, yeah. we have a problem. A job? So you don't want the skeleton to get any, any, any dome? It's just a lot going on. He's 53 years old. Point. He's 53 years old. He's, it's Skeleton just a job shirts. I'm just saying. 53. Uh, on, you said what? He's 53 years old. 
<laughs> and we in the skeleton blowjob shirts. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm not, I don't want to put, it's I'm not so trying imma- to be, you know. It's just immature. It's like. It's immature. It, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if you're, if you're Shamar Moore, I'm, if, if Mick Jagger had a skeleton blowjob shirt on, I guess we wouldn't have a problem with it. But I'm just looking at you like skeleton blowjob shirt still. Nigga, nigga, nigga. <laughs> like what? Still. It's, just, it, it's always, <laughs> it always gets to me. I just don't like that. It's always gets to me when they get up there and they bend over backward for the white boy shit. You know, it's like, say nigga, I want you to, my wife wants to fuck you. All of these black guys are ugly. Yo, it seems like some real self-hating corny shit going uh, on up there, man. A lot of it. And um, it was giving you have a seat at the picnic kind of thing. Kind of say you have a seat at the table, you have a seat at the picnic. I like that. But I just don't. And then to hear a crowd erupt in laughter, which I could just tell from the laughs, there were a lot of white people in the audience. And to hear them erupt in laughter over him saying, you could come to my house and you can say the N word. And, you know, it's giving the when people are like, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. I have black friends. Shamar Moore is like the type of black friend that they're talking about that allows them, my black, my black friends allow me to say the word or you're cool enough or you can get to a certain point with your whiteness that you can do things that black people do. I hate that. I don't like that. I don't care if he was drunk or not. It's just, I was not amused by any of it. A couple of things. Number one, these are my N-word rules with white people. If black people outnumber white people, I'll normally say the N-word in front of white people. Or if it's like, or I'll I'll be boisterous with it. I like to say it, right? But see if I'm in a room and it's like majority, if you're doing stand-up comedy, maybe that's different. But if I'm in a room or a place that's majority white people, I don't want them to laugh at it. Because you're not supposed to find it funny. It's not for you. Mm-hmm. you don't laugh at it. Don't, don't be a... My, the cultural use of the word ain't for you to laugh. It's for me to make mm-hmm. you feel uncomfortable. It's not even for that. It's just for me to say it because it's me. But like, if I'm around people and I feel like they're going to get too much fucking a kick out of it, it kind of makes me feel like a white man's nigga in a room full of white people to be like, nigga, 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 nigga. You know, I've done it before. Yeah, he was, sh- you know, but I've kind of grown up. you have. For him, yeah, you know, but back when I was at TMZ, it's like I say something to a nigga and I look around and everybody laughing too much. And I feel like Dave on the set of the Chappelle show. I'm like, am I funny? Or are they getting their laughs off at the nigga word? Cause it's like, oh, the word is back. It's reinitiated now. Nah, now nah, I can't say it no more. Now nah, I can't say it no more. I'm gonna mm-hmm. say it for you now. Cause now I don't know. I, it, fuck you. I might uh, yeah. say something else, whatever. And he was kind of, did that kind of double down with watching him because I'm watching him up there and it's like, oh, ah, Kevin Hart is ugly, nigga, all about my mind. You know, and it's, he checks all the boxes. If there was a kid, yeah, he he checked, he had it all. And to all the the dope black celebrities of the '90s, the Brian McKnight's, the Shamar Moore's, could y'all stop? Laming out. Please. God damn, man. This is another thing about social media. We talked about this. 
is social media makes it to where we can continue to watch people their whole life. So when they start laming out, we got it in 4K. Could y'all stop laming the fuck out? Just stop giving them that much credit. It's facts. They don't act like they started laming out. They're, this is probably who they always have been. They just waiting for their moment to get caught on camera to showcase it. He didn't wake. Shamar didn't wake up like this. He didn't do this because he was drunk. He probably has made these jokes before. This is just probably who he is. They're not starting to lame out. I don't want to know. That's it. Who they are? I don't want to know. But whatever. It's not. It's not like a huge big deal. But it's like, God damn, Shamar Moore. Come it was on, annoying. Yeah. It's annoying to see. Um, Brittany Griner came back. She uh, shout out to BG. She's playing with the Phoenix Mercury in LA. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things happened. One is that Vanessa Nygaard, the coach of the Phoenix Mercury wagged her finger at the L.A. crowd for not selling out for BG. A lot of people were at the game. Kamala Harris was at the game. Paul Gasol was at the game. A lot of people showed up to the game to support BG in her first game back. Um, she plays for Mercury. But, um, you know, Nygaard thought that they should have sold the game out. I think there were around 10,000 people there. So it wasn't a sellout crowd. And she said L.A. should have sold out for BG. Audio. I mean, it was it was great, but like honestly, come on, LA. Like we didn't sell out the arena for BG. Like I expected more, you know, to be honest, right? Like it was great, it was loud, but um, how was how was it not a sellout? How was it not a sellout? Um, but Rachel, what do you think about this criticism? Fair or foul? I'm in the middle. I don't know. I mean, I understand why she said it, but I guess that that's not a thought that necessarily crossed my mind. I think the, the what people wanted was to see Brittany Griner come home and be here with her family and to be able to, and the reasons that she was over there so that now that she's here, she's safe, she's able to play her sport. I don't know if I equated that with everybody coming out, which funny enough, we almost went to that game. But I don't know if everybody equated that with having a sold-out crowd. I don't know. I guess to me, the importance lies on the fact that she is home and she is able to do her thing with her family, with her people. I guess I just didn't see it that way. I would like to see people come to every uh, WNBA game and for there always to be a sellout crowd. And I think that's the bigger conversation. But I guess I was a little surprised. I'm not going to say it's foul, but if I had to lean more towards one or the other, a little foul. I have a deci- have a have an announcement to make. I'm officially a WNBA fan and I've chosen a team. Because of because of this? Wrong. Uh, the season is starting, and me and Kalika were looking at it on the YouTube TV, and they were like, pick a team. WNBA season is starting. I was like, this year marks. Yeah, mine did that too. Yeah, the team told me. See, that's what the, <laughs> that's what people need. So it's like, we picked a team. Obviously, I'm going with the Los Angeles pick? Sparks. Okay. Okay. I'm going with the Los Angeles Sparks. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I know the entire roster. I'm watching every Sparks game. I'm going to go to a couple of Sparks games. WNBA fan van. Just call me WNBA Vane. Okay? We'll That's go with I'm you. Into. I have a jersey. We'll have NECA and um, Chanae on. Love it. Next year, you know what's going to happen? 
Mm-hmm. Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark are coming into the WNBA. And I want to have a full season under my belt for when Larry Bird and Magic Johnson come into the league and everything will change. So I'm done. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in with the WNBA. I love this. In right now. We'll go to games. We'll, we'll go. go to games. We'll go to games. Fuck, we'll eat a hot dog. You don't, you're so fucking anti-hot dog, it's stupid. It makes no sense. You like pork. Get you a pork What guy. are you talking about? Hot dog is one of my favorite things to eat. Is that true? What? Yes. What are you talking about? Okay, so Brittany Griner was back. I watched it. She heard the first shot. Rattled it in. Beep, beep, beep. Uh, mm-hmm. She talked about the fact that she is doing something different. She's now standing for the national Wait. anthem. What? Before you get into that, what did you think about what the coach said? You said nothing other than you're going to games now. I mean, I that you're a fan of the league. I don't care. You're indifferent. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Like, I don't think. But you made me care. Go ahead. I asked <laughs> you. Going. You, should, you asked me and now I'm telling you. See what I'm saying? I don't care. <laughs> like, I'm, I asked you. You're asking me. It's like, it, it's, it's a nothing thing. It's something that coaches say. It's like, you know, when you're, when you're, when the Denver coach is like, I tell you what, the national media is not fucking talking enough about Jokic. That fucking guy is a really good basketball player. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what? I'm like realize that Kendrick Perkins had to lead a revolt so that Jokic didn't get the MVP. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm like, what? This is something that coaches do, you know? I come in here every day and I hear all about players and I just never hear about what a good score Kevin Durant is. You just never talk about him. And you're like, huh? Well, it's just, it's crazy. Right. Like, uh, we talk about guys who are great athletes, great players, very likable, and you guys never mention Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm like, huh, what? Yes, they do. This is what mm-hmm. coaches do. They, like, jam shit up. So, you know what I mean? Like, talk about great athletes, guys who can win Super Bowls, but for some reason, you know, Tom Brady's name is never mentioned in that. Uh, yes, he is, coach. We know you're trying to get your guys fired up. <laughs> But they talk about it, okay? Um, but Brittany Griner is now standing for the uh, standing national for the national anthem. anthem. She didn't used to. She used to kneel. Mm-hmm. Been kneeling for a long time. When asked why she now stands, she gave a very interesting answer. Not any sound. One good thing about you know this country is you know you have the right to protest. You have the right to speak out, um, question, challenge. And do all these things. And, you know, what I went through and everything um, just means a little bit more to me now. Everybody that is, you know, that will not stand or not come out, I totally support them 100%. Um, You know, we're fighting a a good cause. And, you know, nothing to any of the ladies that, that choose not to or anybody. You know, that's our right as an American. Rachel, this is fascinating stuff to me. Is it? I, you know, I can't even imagine what Brittany Griner went through. I can't imagine what those months were like for her. And what we do know is when we did hear from her through, you know, her wife or maybe it was like a, an attorney, she felt like the country had turned their, um, their back on her. And it didn't look good at times. It didn't look like Brittany Griner was going to come home. And then all of a sudden she was home. Um, so it's hard for me to speak, you know, um, anything but support for what her decision is now, because I have no idea 
what that time for her was like. And if for her, like she said, I'm not knocking anybody who still wants to take a knee or wants to protest the national anthem, but for her specifically, it means something different because what she went through. And at the end of the day, the country that, you know, whose national anthem it is, got her home. You know, obviously people, you know, speaking out and, um, you know, constantly saying support Brittany Griner and remembering her and making sure that her name was not forgotten and what she was going through, obviously, obviously put the pressure on the government. But if that's how Brittany Griner feels, that's how she feels. And I don't really have much to say to that because I cannot imagine what she went through. I think it's fascinating because you have two things. One, obviously, Brittany Griner is not going to get up there and say, even though I went through what I went through, I'm still kneeling. It's just yeah, sure. a firestorm. It's not going to happen. So let's give Brittany Griner the grace to, let's be, you know, let's learn the lesson that people say that I should have learned with Kamala Harris. To where Kamala is not going to say uh, America's a racist country. We just kicked Tim Scott's ass for doing it. Like, <laughs> you know, Kamala's not going to say America's a racist country. You understand that she has to say it. Uh, the point of me saying that that was still a lie is the same reason why I haven't, I have to look at this in both ways. So, to your point, what Brittany Griner went through and what Brittany Griner uh, did and what she endured, I've never been through anything like that. So, I'm not going to take the opportunity to kick Brittany Griner in her kneecaps now that she's back and now she's standing. It's her right. It was her right to kneel. It's her right to stand. I will say this, though. You know, we talk about the wealth gap in America a lot, right? And when mm-hmm. we talk about the wealth gap in America, we talk about it as it relates to women and men. Uh, and we talk about it as it relates to black people and white people. Primarily, there are other wealth gaps that exist. One of them is the black wealth gap. It's the wealth gap that exists intracommunally intracommunally, whatever, however that makes sense, uh, between black people. And the wealth gap that is, that exists in the larger American um, community exists also in the black community. A large Mm -hmm. portion of the wealth in the 40 million black people that live here is held by a very small degree of black people. All right. Very small yeah. percentage of black people. Um, I think that's relevant here because Brittany Griner has benefited from that. Brittany Griner's case probably would have gotten some some national attention had she not been a very wealthy, well, not very wealthy, but a wealthy, famous black American athlete. But it certainly got much more because of that, right? Absolutely. And the fact that she's so notable and the fact that we hadn't had any conversations about Paul Whelan or anyone else that was locked up over there prior to that, not in the way that we talked about them um, after she was uh, after she was incarcerated, um, has to do with her status. And that's interesting in the decision not to kneel because the kneeling to me, is a commentary that 
is about the have-nots in the black community. The ones who are going to uh, run afoul of the police or be in um, proximity of the police more often than not. When you talk about the people who have been in the situations that are uh, that we've organized around, you're not talking about very many people that come from the Beverly Hillses and the Baldwin Hillses and the Concords, Brad, Stratford places. Those are places in Louisiana. You're talking about people that live in different neighborhoods, some inner city, some suburban, but a specific segment of, of, of black people. Not always. Not always. But most of the time. And that's because of their proximity to policing. Um, and that's because of the way the police treat and relate to them. So I'm not saying that police brutality is a poor black people's problem. I'm not saying that at all. Of course, we know that it's not. It can happen to you anywhere as long as your skin is what it is. And the reason why I'm going into this is because the kneeling was, the impetus of it was uh, social injustice that had to do with police brutality in a very specific way. Not just that, but that was sort of the thing that that was the spark for it. Um, so when I when I watch this, I understand that Brittany is probably not going to kneel anymore, and I understand that she might have had uh, some sort of awakening about what it means to be an American, about what it means to have a government that will go to bat for you. And just to be honest with you, just about what it means, uh, just about the fact that she just can't look like that. That's going to cloud the entire season. This is the path of least resistance for sure. And I don't begrudge her that. But there is something to be said about why we do the things we do in the first place. Like, why do we do stuff? Like, why do we do it? Sure. Do uh, amongst in our own community, do we realize who has the privilege and who doesn't? Do we realize the differences between us that make what we do as important as what it is, right? Do we realize who's affected? Like right now, I'm not being affected by food deserts, by lead in uh, pipes, in the paint. I'm not being affected by any of that stuff. I'm not being affected by it. But I have to advocate for it because it's disproportionately affecting black people in a very specific way. And there is a thing to where there's a, there was some privilege and some advantages that Brittany Griner had that have now, I mean, for better or for worse, for fair or foul, extracted her away in a visible dealing way from something that was for a large swath of, uh, swath of black people that still need her help. Now, that doesn't mean that she can't be... Uh, that exactly. That doesn't mean that she still can't be uh, working for those people, but it does mean, it does mean, though, that the biggest platform she has, which is when she's on the court at a WNBA game, that that no longer exists. Well, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think it's interesting what you're saying, but I also don't think that it's fair 
Um, because there's so many ways that because of who she is and because of the platform she has, that she can be impactful. And yes, she's not taking a knee anymore. Yes, when somebody sees her taking a knee, that stands for something. It also, when you do it a lot, I'm not trying to take away from it, people become desensitized to it. So I think that that's not the only way that she can use her platform to speak out and to represent for those for the reasons that she took a knee. Mm. More eyes are on Britney Griner than ever have been probably before, because before it was just if you were a fan of her, the WNBA. Now she's someone who was a prisoner held captive and was brought back here. So people are looking at Britney in a different way. Um, so I think if she had said in that statement, just talking about why she didn't kneel and didn't also say, I'm not against anybody else that does it. If she stops speaking out on behalf of Black people and and the things that they're going through in this country, then that's something different. But I think it's a little unfair to say just because she's no longer taking a knee and we know why she's not taking it anymore to kind of as if it takes away from all the other things from the reason that she took a knee in the first place. Didn't say they took away from it. I want to be clear here. And what you just said, you just said that when you take a knee enough times, people get desensitized to it. That's obviously true. You do anything enough times, people get desensitized to it. We talked about it on the last mm-hmm. podcast. You know, sometimes my my, my friends will like they put in the, the group text like a picture of a girl or something like that. And they'll be like, ooh, look at her. She's bad. And I'll be like, nah, dog, I, I'm in the life. It's got to go further for me to be like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, you know, it's, I'm in the life. That's not enough. Okay. Um, so I get it. Right. I get it. I wasn't in life. I'm not in the life anymore. Okay. I'm not in the life anymore. I wasn't in life. I get it. However, think about what you just said. What you just said was she came back and everybody was looking at her. So I could argue that if there was ever you a could. time to take a knee, that that game would have been the time. I understand why it didn't happen. Jay-Z comes into the uh, the National Football League. Jay-Z says, we're past kneeling. As if to say that, you know, uh, kneeling has worn out its welcome in the American cultural psyche or it's just like not something that really matters, right? Not something that really works. Fine. People people might feel that way. That's, that, that's cool. But, in both of these cases, and we're just talking in both of these cases, there is regulatory capture here. And what I mean by that is, in the case of Jay-Z, we were past kneeling when the, uh, when you had a working relationship with the NFL. And in the case of Brittany Griner, she was past kneeling when America got her out of jail. So I, it, it's just something interesting for us to keep our eyes on. Brittany Griner deserves no criticism. It's not about Brittany Griner. What it's about is what we mean, how we mean it, and if these things that we do actually ever have any meaning. Because if they do, then you do them I get it. for others. You know? Just want to say, Jay-Z got past it when it lined his pockets. Britney, for her freedom. For her life, basically. Well, no. Keep going. No, no. She's already free. So, you know what I mean? 
They didn't say no, deal. But say, they no, didn't say no, deal. But, no, but right. you said he he got past it. It was past it when it lined his pockets, when it was business related. And you're That's saying she point. got past it after she was free. I'm saying, right. eh, I get the point, but just, you know, a little different. Different and functional. But I get what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> I want to ask you a question real quick uh, before we get to, you know what? Forget about the Uber suspended. You, do you want to do the Uber topic? I have something else to ask you. I'm fine. Fuck you ask me that. Ask uh, me. Here about the, here's the thing. Uber don't have any fucking symposiums about being a Karen and then talk down to people. Uh, don't do that. That's in real time. I have a question about you. <laughs> I have a question to you. About me? Oh. Not about you. I have a question to you. This is not okay. a rundown. This is a Vance okay. very serious question. Oh, it's back. For one time, because I thought this was so interesting. Have you ever heard of the term financial cheating? No. Okay. So a friend of mine. And I'm nervous. A friend of mine recently found out that his girl was still getting cash apped from one of her exes. (laughs) Okay. He found this out because he saw a cash app come in and then he asked her about it. She didn't try to hide it. She just told him. She goes, yeah, that nigga's still sipping. I haven't seen him in years. The guy does not, not that the guy doesn't live in the United States. The guy doesn't live in, it's not the guy that doesn't live in their town, should I say. The guy doesn't live in the United States. He lives like over in like the Middle East or something. He works uh, as like a, a, a fashioner for like a, he builds oil parts or something. So he's over working with OPEC or something, but he makes decent bread for that. Makes like a lot of bread and he still hits her up with money every now and again. So my homie comes to me, this is a true story. My homie comes to me and he goes, Van, I feel like this is wrong. And I was like, well, you know, she did keep it real. She didn't try to hide it or nothing. She wasn't forthright with it. But when asked, she wasn't hiding anything, seen it pop up. But when asked, she goes, yeah, he still sends me money. And then the guy looked and the guy sent her a lot of money. Like in the past couple of months, he sent her like $3,500. He sent her a lot of money. What's the question? Huh? The question is, and and my my homeboy says to me a a term that I had never thought of before. He, He goes, I feel like that's financial cheating. And I'm like, damn, I never heard of that before. I'm like, yeah. can you financial cheating for her to accept this bread? Because I was kind of like, bruh, you know, if he's paying for the nails and he's paying for the hair and she's not giving him anything in return, it's like, shit, let that nigga pay. You know, what's the big deal? What is your thought on this, Rachel? I'm, I'm, I'm with your boy. I think it's financial cheating because I think it's about how. So one, I would want to know why do you need to get money from him? Cause you shouldn't be doing it just cause you can. Right. That's why it oh, seems I'm, like I'm she's a, doing it. It seems like she's doing it. She was just like, I, so what happened was he was away for a long time. He got back on, uh, Instagram. She has her cash app 
in her Instagram name. And he was trying to DM her and trying to DM her and trying to DM her and she didn't respond to any of the DMs. This is a story verified if you look at the DMs. She didn't answer any of the DMs. Then he cash apped her and in the message put his name and hey, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And then it was just like he started sending money. They had, she hasn't seen him in okay. six years. You can delete messages from DMs, just saying. No, um, no, no, no. But, it, but, but, it, but no, no. But I will say this. In her Instagram thing, she hasn't even accepted to be able to DM with him. That you can't gotcha. forget. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, got you. Um, yeah, I think it's wrong because I think it's about <laughs> how it makes... <laughs> I think it's about how it makes your significant other look. You know, she's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's what he wants to do, as if he was a simp, like you said, but that's probably how he's talking about her guy. Like, I mean, if the, if it really is, it ain't tricking if you got it. It's nothing for him to be sending her some money. He's probably like, I'm sending her money because her man can't do anything, can't do it for her. You know, she's accepting it. She's taking the money. Obviously, I can do better than for her than her man can. It just... I think it makes her man look a certain way. Just imagine telling your your guys, your family, somebody that somebody, another dude is giving your girl money. It's just, it's the optics of it. Yeah. And if I wouldn't want to make my guy look like that to another man. One last salvo. We talked about this for hours. Financial cheat. <laughs> One last salvo. She was able to prove definitively that she took 700 bucks that was sent to her from this guy and went and bought my homeboy a PlayStation with it. She was able to definitively (laughs) prove that. She was able to prove on the day that she brought the PlayStation, which was a surprise out of nowhere for the guy, on the day that she brought the PlayStation, that she got a cash app for 700 bucks. That day he came home, because I remember even when she brought the PlayStation, because this nigga was still playing the PlayStation 4, like a bitch. I know you listen. I told you to upgrade your shit. Okay. And he's got the PlayStation 5 now. She bought it, Uh but with the $700 from what I call Great Gatsby Oil oil Tycoon Man. That's what I call him. Great Gatsby Oil Tycoon Man. Does that change The truth is, the truth, no, the truth is Great Gatsby bought it. (laughs) (laughs) So he's paying. (laughs) Oh, every time you play Spider-Man. Every time. I know you can hear me. Every time you play Spider-Man. <laughs> and this guy makes money, by the way. I don't know I'm why. I'm not he saying he doesn't. I don't know why like, he didn't See how you're going to play with him like this? It's it's emasculating a little bit. It's not that big of a deal to me. It is. It is. Good, good, good. It is a big deal because you shouldn't do it. You know, it, you, it, it, it is. But like, I feel like it's something that they could just talk about and then move past. But it's becoming like a huge deal. Because at first it was now, like, and she was she she and she kept it real about everything, literally. Well, about- in her defense, 
She has her cash app and her Instagram. So any man could be sending her money. Like which anybody is, could. Which is another thing that we talked about. Like that's oh. so in her defense, it's like you have no idea who's sending her money. Yeah. We, we, not, well, he looked all throughout a cash app now. He well, went he did now, a, but he I'm did just a cash saying. app autopsy. He went, he did, he went all throughout a cash app. Now, now he went throughout the cash app. But we'll see. Look, so Rachel says financial cheating is a thing. You can't do it. You shouldn't. You shouldn't do it. I'm trying to think of a situation where I don't know. I I think it's different for a man versus a woman. Talk to me. I and maybe I'm different. If some if Brian had his cash app and his Instagram and somebody's giving you enough money to pay your mortgage and your bills <laughs> and you can prove to me, I'm going to be like, keep letting it happen. <laughs> and she's out the country. But that's me. It doesn't, it doesn't like make me feel like less of a woman. It doesn't make, but I feel like, you know, we could, we talk about gender roles as much as you try to act like they don't exist. They do. I think for a man, it's a little bit more, there's a little bit more pride wrapped up in it, but I would be like, just like, I'll be showing people Brian's abs. I'll be like, and his office is right over there by the Beverly center. Yes. That's get to get the business, post another shirtless pick. That stuff doesn't bother me. See how you see what I'm saying. You, Mm -hmm. you don't look at, at uh at, at don't you don't look at that in any way. See that? See? You don't look at if that. If I don't look, I don't look it's it's this you agree with me. But just as long as the gender roles are full, you agree with me. I I I think I think I think Brian would have an issue if I was accepting money from uh, somebody fuck else. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. But if <laughs> but I I it would if, if it was the same setup as you just described with your friend, I'd be like let keep. Let's save up for a trip. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Interesting. All right. I, I told you I was going to bring you to the podcast. You asked me to ask Rachel, so I did so. Okay. I already told you what she was going to say, and I was right. Although I wasn't right about you saying that it's okay for Brian, which is interesting. I, I actually, I think it's fine. That I, I'm with. I get it. Well, I'm telling you right now, Rachel, pimp, daddy, Lindsay. Um, like, Tell Brian, put your cash app now. Well, but see, Brian should summer. already have his cash app. You know how much bread Brian could be getting? Brian, that's another thing about Brian giving we'll away talk, the good We'll talk shit. about it tonight. Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll see, talk tomorrow, about it tonight. watch. Tomorrow, <laughs> you're you going to go on Brian's shit. It's going to be dollar sign, hot guy Brian. <laughs> I'm for it. I'll donate the first dollar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take your think capsule off, but do not stop learning. I am... Van Lathan Jr. And I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys. <laughs> 